0: High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you, so I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. We're going to go to Ephesians 6. We're going to be continuing this series, Put Your Armor On. Uh, this evening, I am going to preach fast. I know what time it is. Uh, I know we've been uh, had some testimonies and some different things, but I felt that was important for tonight uh, to hear some of those things. Uh, and we're just going to be obedient to the Spirit. I really felt the Lord just tell me, such people that need to hear some testimonies tonight. I knew we had a few, so let's just roll. But uh, I'm so excited about this. Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, Paul's writing here, he really stresses the importance to us of putting on our spiritual armor, of putting on the armor of God. How many of you know Paul didn't tell us that just for no reason or because it's something he just thought it would be fun to write or it just kind of sounded like a cool statement? Paul is stressing to us, in order to make it in the world, you are going to have to wear the armor of God. You are going, and let's just really get under where the rubber meets the road. Paul is saying this, you are going to have to live and abide in these principles. You're going to have to abide in these principles. not something you just do occasionally, but daily you have to abide in these principles. Daily you have to live and walk this out. Not just something that you have here, but something that is implanted within your heart, within your spirit, that you then walk out on a daily basis. Because there's a lot of people who know the word, but they don't know the word. Right? How much the devil can quote scripture? The enemy can quote and twist scripture. Just because you know what the scripture says doesn't mean that you know what the scripture says. It doesn't mean it's something that is within you. It doesn't mean it's something that has been you you have been persuaded of to the point where you're going to live it out every single day of your life no matter what it costs you, no matter how difficult it might be, no matter what your flesh wants to do, no matter what you want to do in a moment, you are still going to walk out the principles of the Word and you are going to live it every single day of your life, not just when it's convenient or not just when you need something. There's a lot of people that get real holy when they need something. There's a lot of people that start putting out fleeces. God, I will do this if you. You just do it. Why? Because we're commanded to. Because it's holy. Because it's righteous. Because it's what you're supposed to do is put on the armor of God and walk in these principles every single day. So real quickly, we talked last week about the belt of truth. What's a belt do? What's a belt do? It's a place for storing vital necessities. It's a place to fasten the sword. Listen, truth has been established by God as eternal. Truth does not change. I'm going to say it again. Truth does not change. Truth is truth, is truth, is truth, and will be truth forever. All right. Truth is established. God established the truth. I am, Jesus is the truth. I am the way. The truth and the life. Jesus was the word made flesh, which means he is the truth. Everything he said is truth. When you follow him, you will walk in truth. And you have to do that. Everything is predicated on walking in truth. The entire armor is predicated on truth. It's on your value system. Our value should be established on the word. I'm going to say that again. Our value system should be established on the word. If I don't see Jesus doing it, I ain't going to do it. If if it is in contrast or opposed to what Jesus would have done, I'm not going to do it. There's a lot of people that walk around with WWJD bracelets that don't ever actually think about it. They say, well, there's a lot of people that walk around with a Christian fish on the back of their car. And my goodness... If their driving didn't reveal that they weren't really living in it. Their lives certainly do a lot of times. Y'all with me? Truth begins by renewing your mind to the Word. If you don't do that, you're going to be in trouble. Now tonight, we're talking quickly about the breastplate of righteousness. What does does a, a breastplate do just naturally? It protects your vital organs, your heart, your liver, your lungs, stomach, intestines. Things that if you're on the battlefield, if they get hurt, you're going down. You're dead. And listen, if you don't protect, hear the way I say this, in the spirit, if you don't protect your vital organs, you will be a casualty on the battlefield. And by the way, we are in a battle. Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but the very fact that he said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places, means this, that though we are not wrestling against people, we are wrestling against something. Something. We're wrestling against principalities, powers. In in theological thought, a lot of times you call them archons. There are things that we are wrestling against that power what we see that is unjust, that is unholy, that is unrighteous in the earth. Listen, people are, here's the way I say this. It is not people promoting unrighteousness in the earth. It is principalities that are affecting people. Are y'all with me? People aren't bad, principalities are. People aren't bad, powers are. And people can be manipulated by these things. They can be controlled by these things, but they are simply a prisoner that needs to be liberated by the power of the word of God. They are not an enemy. They are a prisoner of war. And there's a difference between somebody who's an enemy and somebody who's been taken captive by the enemy. We don't fight people. We fight the things that control people. Amen. Amen myself again tonight if I need to. So, righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing with God. Very simply, it is right standing with God. Which means this. If you have righteousness, which you do, which we'll talk about in a minute. But if you have righteousness, you are right with God. I want to make that clear. You are right with God. The moment you got saved, you will never be any more right with God than you are in that moment. There are not degrees of rightness with God. Now, we're going to talk about two kinds of righteousness in a moment, legal versus realized. But you do have to understand that legally, the moment you are saved, you are as righteous as you will ever be, period. I don't care if you get saved and you walk out and you've still got problems in your life. You are as righteous and as right with God as you will ever be. There are not levels to being righteous. You are right with God. If you're born again, you're right with God. That means this. You are free from any negative judgment against you. You are blameless before the Lord. But that will promote righteous and holy behavior. So whenever I say that you are right and blameless before God the moment you get saved, that doesn't mean that you can just go do whatever you want to do. If you think that's the way it works, I don't know if you really got his righteousness to begin with. If you think the point of righteousness, we're back. If you think the point of righteousness is just so you can do whatever you want to do, you've missed the entire point. The point of righteousness was not so you could do whatever you wanted to do. The point of righteousness was so you can become who he's called you to be. That is why he's made you righteous. You are blameless before God. That means whenever the, whenever the father looks at you, he does not see your past deeds, your past problems, and where you missed the mark. They have been cast into the sea of forgetfulness, and your sin is as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember. As a matter of fact, here's why I say this. We keep much better account of our, of our shortcomings than God does. We, we try to bring God in remembrance of our stuff all the time. And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I forgot about that. I don't even know who that person is that you're talking about. i would never met them before. Because the moment I met you, I saw my son. The moment I met you, I saw Jesus. I'll Think about it this way. It's, it's, um, today is our, it's, it's our daughter's birthday. Our oldest daughter, Hannah, Lee. it's her 11th birthday today. And I was leaving the house. And I was, uh, I was telling her, I said, happy birthday, baby. I love you. And I said, you're so beautiful. And she said, thanks, Dad. And rolled her eyes because she's 11 now, so I can't say those things anymore because it's cringy. I said, Hanley, you're so beautiful. Thanks, Dad. And I said, you know why you're so beautiful? I said, because you look just like your mom. And Hanny does. She looks just like my wife if you haven't ever seen them before I said you look just like mom and you're so beautiful but I wasn't telling you that to get brownie points tonight I didn't need them (laughs) we'll always take more though am I right men? Hallelujah I'm telling you that because this a lot of times whenever I look at Hanley it's like shocking to me how much I see Miranda whenever I look at her and listen whenever the father looks at you he sees the son he doesn't see you He sees the image of his son. He sees his righteousness, and Jesus is perfectly righteous. So whenever he looks at you, he sees the son in you. Listen, 2 Corinthians 5.21, I'm talking about legal righteousness, legal righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He's made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. You should, listen, if that scripture doesn't fire you up, I'm going to check your pulse after this. That scripture fires me up. That the one who knew no sin became sin for me. That he took on sin for me so that I could become righteous. I didn't deserve it. He did it simply because he loved me. The father did it simply because he loved me. Jesus took on the penalty of death and sin. Listen, Jesus, I don't want to get too deep down the road of, a, of atonement theologies. And I did say theologies because there's more than one. But sometimes the way that our view of the atonement has been is God was really angry, mad, fed up with everybody, ready to kill everybody. And Jesus jumped in the way of an abusive father to take the blow that he was ready to give us. But that is not what happened. When Jesus was on the cross, what he did is he took on death. He took on shame. He took on everything that had mounted itself against you. He took hell's best shot and it didn't break him. He took hell's best shot and it didn't break him. They thought they won, but he got up. And he left the grave empty, and he broke the power of death and hell and sin. Listen, Jesus literally broke the power of sin over your life. I want you to really think about that, because a lot of times we will completely we will completely um, uh, 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 um, see the fact that Jesus defeated death. Okay, in this, how many believe? How many believe that? Let me use the old church term again: should the Lord tarry? If Jesus doesn't return in your lifetime and you die, how many of you believe that you're going to go to heaven and live with Jesus, right? Live with the Lord. Why do you believe that? Because Jesus broke the power of death. And how do you believe theologically there will be a one, there will be one day where there will be a resurrection and you will be resurrected and you will have a new physical body. Do y'all believe that? That's what scripture says. So if you don't believe it, you should. <laughs> How many of y'all believe that? So what do we believe? We believe that Jesus broke the power of death forever. If we don't believe Jesus broke the power of death, we can't believe those things. But we also at the same time will hold on to this idea that really the power of sin still has us and you still have to continue to walk in sin and you just can't help it and you can't avoid it and you're just gonna keep falling and every so often you're just gonna have problems and you're gonna fall and you're gonna sin a little bit every day. Jesse Duplantis said it like this years ago. They told us we were going to sin a little bit every day, and if we were going to sin a little bit every day, we were going to make sure it's going to count. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But not only has the power of death been broken over your life, but so has the power of sin, which means this. You don't have to walk in sin. Why do you not have to walk in sin? Because of his righteousness. It is not not walking in sin that makes you righteous. But because you are righteous, you have the power to not walk in sin any longer. Sin's hold has actually been broken over your life. And we will say that a lot of times, but we don't really believe it in our walk. But listen, guess what? You can go all day tomorrow and not sin. How many you believe you can go an entire day? Some of y'all are... (laughs) You don't know what my life's like. (laughs) How many believe you can go a whole day without sinning? If you can go one day without sinning, it means you can go more than one day without sinning. If you can go 10 minutes without sinning, you can go another 10 minutes without sinning, and then you can go 20, and then you can go 40, and it can continue just to exponentially increase. You actually have the power to walk free from sin because sin has been broken off of your life legally. We're now legally righteous because Jesus took our place. Our record has been wiped clean. It has been expunged. It's been purged. It's been deleted. It's been erased. I talked about this a a month or so ago. I don't know if any of y'all grew up with any sort of, ever saw like a a chick track. Anybody know what a chick track is? Y'all know what those are? Like like this big-ish tracks that people would leave in places. And frequently in these tracks, what would happen, little comic books what would happen frequently, um, first of all, we knew from the tracks that the Catholic Church was definitely the whore of Babylon in Revelation. There was no doubt about that. That was explicitly clear in the tracts. Right? God was this great faceless man, not only because they thought God was faceless because it was easy to draw a face without features, just laziness. But in the tracks, a lot of times there would be somebody before the great throne of judgment, and there would literally be a screen that would roll down. Like heaven's 4K projector, and would play the scenes of the people's lives and all of the highs and lows and ups and downs in front of every, the, the billions and billions and billions of people that have lived through the eons of time. And I just let you know something that's not based in any sort of scriptural idea, even a little bit. Because of your righteousness, your sin is forgotten. God's not keeping record of it I'm going, to just wait one day till we get the Netflix of your life streaming series and play it to embarrass you with all of your terrible moments and remind you and then go now welcome into paradise. Now that we've thoroughly made you look like a complete villain, welcome in every thought. Listen, that's not the way that it works. Your sin has been forgotten because you are righteous. Once you're saved, you stand before God as if you had never sinned. Ever. The Father sees Jesus. First John 1 actually tells us even, af- even if we sin after we are saved, we are cleansed from unrighteousness through the confession of that sin. Understand, here, I want you all to hear me. I don't want you all to take this and go crazy with it, but I want you to hear me. Understand that God has forgiven us before we even ask or confess. Forgiveness is already appropriated for you. Confessing your sin is not for the sake of asking for forgiveness, hoping that he will, but it's the receiving of that which has already been given. Y'all understand? Y'all with me? It's not saying I'm going to ask for for forgiveness and hope the Father says yes. It is appropriating something he has already given. It is already there. The admission of wrong clears the conscience and it provokes forgiveness. Forgiveness is is appropriated and confidence is restored when we rep- when we repent this understanding and this knowledge it becomes my breastplate it protects me from the condemnation of the enemy because the enemy the, the best weapon the enemy has is he talks a lot and he lies he's a deceiver and the father of all lies And the best thing, really one of the only things he can do is lie to you to get you to believe what he's saying and forfeit what God's already given you. He does not have the ability to physically or forcefully remove something from you. He can only get you to forfeit it by getting you to believe the lie. The enemy is not some big, bad monster. He is a fallen angel who you've been given authority and command over. But it's only, even Scripture tells us one day, that the world will look on him and say, is this the one who deceived the nations? It's not going to be, man, this is the one who deceived the nations. It's that guy, him, the imp, the fallen angel, the one who holds no power, the weakling, the scrawny little beat up dude who looks like he has no authority at all. That's the one because all he can do is yap but it can't actually do anything. Why? Because you've been made righteous. Don't ever let him talk you out of your righteousness. Even when you mess up, you are still righteous. Even when you miss the mark, you are still righteous because your righteousness is not hingent upon what you do. It's hingent upon who you are. Your righteousness is not something that you do. Although we will talk about acts of righteousness because there are acts of righteousness. But your righteousness is not something you do. It is someone that you are. It is an identity that has been given to you. That you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, let's talk about legal. Um, excuse me, let's talk about actual or, or acts of righteousness. First John 3, if you want to turn over there real quick, you can. First John 3. Y'all getting anything out of this tonight? Amen. 1 John 3. While you're turning there, don't forget Sunday is Mother's Day. It's going to be great here at High Praise. We've got great stuff going on. We're going to have a gift for all of the ladies in attendance, a couple gifts for the ladies in attendance. Invite your moms uh, if they're still alive and they can come to church. Invite them. Uh, bring your daughters. Bring your sons. We're going to have a great time on Sunday. Uh, mom and dad are going to be here. They're going to be ministering, so you don't want to miss it. 1 John 3, verse 7. It says this, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. I know that seems redundant, but when you think of it from the perspective of he who practice, practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Just as he is righteous means that you are positionally righteous. And he who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Y'all understand? Okay. Verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? It's sin. Whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Very simple. Righteous people should practice righteous living. If you say you are something, but it is not reflected in your life, are you really what you say you are? And once again, I'm not talking about missing the mark. I'm not talking about messing up. I'm not talking about... But if you are living in continual unrepentant sin and you're trying to claim that you are righteous, you probably need to repent and get your heart right with God and start living righteously. Because if you are legally and positionally something, it should be reflected in your life. Period. It should be reflected in your life. Listen, God condemned, in Revelation, he condemned the behavior of the Nicolaitans. He condemned the behavior of the Nicolaitans. Why did he he condemn their behavior? Well, there's several reasons, but one of the reasons is this. They they adhere to a certain... um, a certain principle, thought, ideal, way of living, however you want to say it, that's called antinomianism. I know that's a kind of a big word, but antinomianism, which essentially means this that it doesn't matter what you do because God has already made you right, He's already forgiven you, so you can just do whatever you want to do and it's no big deal. Okay? That's antinomian living. Now I believe in grace. I'm gonna be thankful for grace. I said, how many are thankful for grace? Amen. How many are thankful for mercy? Amen. I'm thankful for mercy, but we should not abuse mercy. Amen. I said we should not abuse mercy. Listen, in, obviously God's so much higher and more forgiving and long suffering than any human is, but you can only repent so many times with a person and continue in the same behavior before it becomes very obvious that your repentance isn't real. You can say you're sorry till the cows come home. But if, if it doesn't reflect in your life, it says a lot more than what you are saying. There's a lot of people who say things, but they don't live it. Talk is cheap. Are you all with me? Talk is cheap. I have this thing I say all the time. I say time is the indicator of all things. Time will always tell the truth. How we react over time. How we live over time. Not a moment, but over time. Time is because, listen, everybody has bad moments. How many ever had a bad moment? How many ever had a bad season? Right? But time is the indicator of all things. Just because someone's in a bad moment or bad season, it doesn't mean that is indicative of them forever. But if you just continually live in unrepentant sin and you're just doing whatever you want to do because you think you can because, well, Jesus has already forgiven me, you don't get it. We shouldn't trample the blood underfoot or the mercy of God underfoot. We have been created for righteous living. Amen. John is saying here in 1 John that when someone's actually saved and they are the righteousness of God, they're not going to see how close to the line of unrighteousness they can get and not get burned. They're not going to see just how much they can get away with you don't know talk about y'all know what? How many of y'all have kids? How many of y'all have kids? Listen, when kids are little, they do dumb stuff. Y'all may have never had any kids do any dumb stuff before. I've had my kids do dumb stuff. They they, they learn through trial and error, but they do dumb stuff. And I'm finding out it doesn't get much better as they get older. Amen. Josiah's about to be 13, he's about, he is 13, he's about to be 14 in August. I'm finding out, like, there's like a regression sometimes of cognitive skills that seems to be happening at, y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all are laughing because y'all had teenagers too. Amen. If you don't, you get that to look forward to, amen. I actually saw a study one time that said that there is actually um, something to do with brain development that literally teenagers at times, like 14, 15, 16 years old, they're, 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 um, uh, my wife is telling me from the front row in the prefrontal cortex that they, uh, yeah. use, what is it, babe? You can explain it better than I can. The prefrontal cortex is developing in that time frame, so they go backwards to the reasoning of like a toddler. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> Y'all be blessed with that. About the time we give them keys to cars, their reasoning goes back to that of a toddler. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But whenever my kids were, are, and kids are little, especially that, that 2 3 four range, if you tell them not to do something, they're going to see how close they can get to doing it Without actually doing it. Or that all three-year-olds are lawyers. <laughs> they are all lawyers. They should all get law degrees. They should be in courtrooms across America. Toddlers, attorneys for hire. Because I'll be like Lizy, stop running. I'm not running, I'm skipping. <laughs> you need to slow down. Okay. I need you to I'm fast walking. I just need you to regular walk right now. But well, you didn't say not walk, you just you just said don't run. <laughs> Kids will get as close to the line as they can. And they will see how much they can get away with without actually breaking the rule. And then they will reason with you while they're breaking the rule on why they're not actually breaking the rule. If you don't have children yet, This is what you have to look forward to in the future. I'm kidding. I love my children. I love my children dearly. They're incredible. They're my life. But my Lord, some days. And all the parents said, Amen. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going somewhere with this. That's how we are so often with God. Don't do that. I'm going to see how close I can get to it without doing it. And God's just saying, stay away from it completely. Righteous people don't see how much they can flirt with the line without crossing over. Right? When God says don't run, we don't start skipping. We stand still. Whenever God says something, we don't see how much we can get away with and reason and rationalize. Why what we're doing is actually okay or not that big of a deal or whatever. When God says no, it just means no, don't do it. And the same way that the reason you tell your kids not to do things is for a reason and a purpose. You don't just tell them, don't run. You don't tell your kids, hey, y'all don't need to go play in the road because you're trying to stifle their fun. It's because there's things in in the road that can be a great danger to them. So they may go, that doesn't sound like fun. And I'm just going, I'm trying to keep you from dying. So you may not always understand why God tells you to do something. But there is a reason. Even if you don't get it or understand it, there's a reason. And once again, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about walking in some sort of extreme legalism where there's a devil under every bush and you can't do anything. And if you laugh at a joke, you're going to hell. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about bondage. I'm not talking about working for God's approval. You can't work for God's approval. You are approved of, period. Same, once again, I'll I'll use use the kid analogy again. Even whenever my children mess up, I don't disown them and stop talking to them and tell them, y'all are out of the house, you're four, you messed up, get out. I love them. My approval of them is not based upon what they do. It's based on who they are. They are my kids. And I love them no matter what. But it doesn't mean that just because I love them that I don't correct them, that I don't narrow them. Because guess what? If I didn't, that would be a good expression that I don't actually love them. I narrow them precisely because I love them. I say, no, you're not gonna do do that because I love them. I tell them, you're not gonna hang out with those people because I love them. I tell them, you're not gonna listen to that music or watch that movie or play that video game or whatever it is, not because I'm some legalistic, mean ogre dad. It's because I love them and I don't want the fruit of those things to be produced in their lives. So listen, listen, and as we are that way, the heavenly father is much more that way. If you, being evil, desire good things for your children, how much more so does your heavenly Father? That's what Jesus said. Second, or excuse me, Ephesians 2 says this, "For by grace you've been saved. We know this. For by grace you've been saved through faith. not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone boast. And a lot of people stop in verse nine, which is what I just read. But verse 10 goes on to say this, "For we are His worksmanship." Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What's he saying? He's saying you're not saved based upon what you do. You're not, ra- you're not righteous based upon you and what you do, but you have been created for good works. In other words, now that you have been saved and you are righteous, that should produce good works in your life. We're saved, so we live in righteousness. We live in right works. We live doing, believing, saying, and acting the right way. Even if everybody else in the world goes crazy, we're still going to do what's right. If everybody else in the world does what's wrong, we're still going to do what's right. If everybody else in the world lives unholy, and there's a lot of people living unholy, We're still going to live holy even if it's not cool anymore. By the way, holiness has never been cool. Quote, unquote. But we're going to do it anyways. I'm not holy because I'm trying to be cool. I'm holy because I know who saved me. I'm not righteous because I'm trying to gain something. I'm righteous because I know who I am. I even tell my kids this whenever when they do act up and I have to get on to them. I, I'll, I'll say this to them this isn't who you are. This isn't who you are. I don't like to yell at them, y'all are brats and y'all are good for nothing. Don't do that. You're enforcing an identity within them. My kids mess up. I say, This isn't who you are. I don't know why you're doing this, but this isn't. I don't know why you did what you did, but this isn't who you are. You're obedient. You listen. You know what's right. And you're going to do what's right. I've seen my kids break a lot more from you don't know who you are than getting mad and yelling at them, screaming at them. This isn't who you are. And listen, whenever you're sinning, God isn't there yelling. And whenever you have a moment, you have a season, God isn't there yelling at you, berating you. He's there to tell you this isn't who you are. You are righteous. God's not an, we have made God an angry, abusive father, and he's not. He's not an angry, abusive old man. He's a forgiving father who picks you up when you do mess up. And he says, now live righteously. Now live right. Now get on the right track. You can do this. Listen, this is why it's important. I'm going to close with this thought. This is why it's important for us to live, not just be positionally righteous, but live righteously. Sin always produces guilt and shame righteousness produces boldness and confidence. Sin produces guilt and shame, but righteousness produces boldness and confidence. You show me someone who's bold and confident in who they are in Christ, in their destiny, their purpose, I'll show you somebody who's walking free from sin. You show me people who are always guilty and shameful, and I'll show you people who generally have the work of sin going on in their lives. Operating in the authority God has called for you hinges on a righteous consciousness sin and shame rob you of your authority it's it's difficult to fight the devil when you've been dancing with him it's difficult to fight the devil when you've been dancing with him whenever you live in sin consistently you're dancing with the enemy and you weren't created to dance with the enemy you were created to dance with the Lord and walking in righteousness enables us to maintain our spiritual boldness. I want to have a church that is full of spiritually bold people. You know the way you see miracles and signs and wonders and breakthrough is you have a you have a room full of people who are spiritually bold. They know who they are in Christ. They know the hear the, the the understand the way I say this the rights and the authority they have as believers they understand that and they stand and they walk in it and they decree it and declare it but that only comes whenever we walk righteously whenever that is who we are not just something we do when it becomes easy for us it should be easier for you to walk free from sin than it is for you to sin if it's easy for you to sin Now listen, if you're just saved and you just got saved and you're still walking it out, listen, there's a process of sanctification God's doing in your life and I'm not saying you have to be there tomorrow, but if you've been saved for 20 years and it's easier for you to sin than to not sin, we got a problem somewhere, right? We've got something that's grabbed a hold of our lives and we need freedom and liberty from it because God didn't create you to walk in sin. He created you to walk in righteousness. So you stand up to your feet? Do you get something out of this tonight? Are you blessed by this? Amen. Amen. Lift your hands to the Lord tonight. Why you just pray with us for me? Say, Father God, I thank you for your righteousness. I thank you for right standing that I have with you. I thank you that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That I will live righteously. That I will live with authority. And I will live with power that you have given to me. I will live free from the power of sin. Because, Jesus, you have broken the power of sin over my life. I thank you for it tonight. I give you praise and glory. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody says... Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram, and don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.